Thanks for listening to English Go podcast. To listen without advertisements or to read episode transcripts, visit englishgo.co.uk for more information. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. What shall we do with a drunken sailor? What shall we do with a drunken sailor? What shall we do with a drunken sailor early in the morning? There's nothing like a good sea shanty in the morning to start your day, is there? So a sea shanty is a a sea song, a song of the sea (laughs) that sailors used to sing a long time ago. And I don't know why I know that song But I think everyone in England knows that song. Maybe not the whole of it. I don't think I know. Maybe I know a little bit more of it. But um, today's episode is not about sea shanties. It's about weird cultural things uh, in English. Uh, So I don't... I'm, I'm guessing. I'm guessing that most of you, maybe all of you, have never even heard that song before. Who knows? Maybe it's been translated into <laughs> many languages and has made its way around the world. But like I said, I think everyone in England, everyone in the UK probably knows that song or, you know, the tune or some lyrics for it. And there's so many, when I think about it, there's so many little cultural bits of information from songs, from television, from films that... It's almost like, yeah, the like these these things make you more British if you know them, if you learn them. Why does my watch go off at the wrong time when I'm recording? Um, if if you know them and you learn them, it makes you sound so very British. I think, and maybe not that sea shanty. <laughs> if you, if you walk around singing that sea shanty, <laughs> I think it will make you seem crazy, but. Um, It would certainly be amusing. It would certainly be fun. If I said, are you free? Or, I want that one. Would you 
it, does anyone actually know? Does anyone listening to this podcast uh, know what I'm talking about? I mean, yeah, you can probably understand what I've just said, but um, without the sort of like background information, this like cultural background information, there's no context. There's no, it has no meaning. Um, and yet, I'm pretty sure, mm, I mean, maybe the first thing I said, the I'm free thing, that's a bit old now. So uh, <laughs> there's people who are my age and younger who don't know what that is. But um, maybe the uh, I want that one thing I said, that reference, I think I think most people, almost everyone in the UK probably knows what that is from a television program. I think it's about 10 years old now or more. But it was so popular that everyone pretty much knew what it was. Um, so there are these little things sort of sewn into a culture and in a sense sewn into a language, like they're part of the language. Uh, but they're things that you're never taught and you can never be taught. I, I've never seen a book about like little bits of English cultural information. I'm going to call them English titbits. So a titbit is like a small piece of information. Here's a little titbit for you. That's quite a good word. Does anyone know titbit? Uh, maybe maybe this is a, a perfect example of what I'm trying to talk about today. Um, these little, like, it could, it could be a phrase. Um, it could be, like I said, something from the television or a word. Um, like blighty. Does anyone know what blighty means? Old blighty. It's another, it's another name for England. It might be a name for the UK, actually. It probably is all of the UK. But um, you can say to someone, ah, I'm, I'm, I'm just going to head back to Old Blighty. It's old-fashioned, and it's not really popular. Shut up, my watch. <laughs> I keep forgetting to put it on, on mute, sorry. Normally, I have everything on mute, but for some reason, I unmuted my watch so, stupidly. And um, it's very close to my mic, so I'm sure you can hear it. Uh, what was I saying? <laughs> yeah, there's these little sort of bits, these little tidbits that everyone knows. And, and old blighty, even though it's not common or used often, I'm pretty sure um, everyone knows what it means. And there are so many of them. Oh, my. Uh, there really are. I, I know a long time ago I talked about a television program called The Royal Family. And I was watching that with someone who was a not a native speaker of English. Their English was amazing. It was. Um, but they weren't a native speaker of English. And they had so many questions about it. Like, what does this mean? Like, they could understand. They could understand the English. The sentence. Everything in the sentence. All the words. The meaning. But um, there's no context around it. Because there's, there's a lack of cultural knowledge. That's what it is. Cultural knowledge. That's a hard thing to learn. But I think when you're learning a language, that is essential. You really have to learn. You really have to get that cultural knowledge. Um, well, I suppose you don't. I mean, let me think about it. You, you can have a perfectly fine conversation. If, you can, if you're fluent in English, yeah, of course, you can have a perfectly good conversation um, with someone from England. But there's like this other level 
um, I don't know how to describe it. It's like there's this next level where it's like, okay, not only are you fluent in English, but you also understand our culture, but you also understand our way of thinking or our humor. Um, and that's that's when you're that's when you've become British pretty much at that point. Um, maybe there are some people who think like you're only British if you're born in Britain. I don't think that. I think it's more about how you behave, what you think, um, you know, how much of our culture you understand. I mean, like I can I can talk to an American, and yes, we understand each other per perfectly. But um, if we don't know enough about each other's culture, it's there's some kind of like disconnect. I don't know how to, I don't know a good way of describing it, but there's like some distance between us um, that I always feel. Like, so I can say something and they um, just don't understand what I'm talking about. So those things, I think as well as a language, as well as just studying a language, you're also studying uh, a culture, and you can't separate the two. Well, you uh, here's the annoying thing: you, because you're studying English, um, I suppose there are like three main types of English, like American English. Actually, let's let's throw in Canadian English as well: Canadian English, Australian English, British English. Um, mm, I mean, there are other countries that are English-speaking as well, but I'm just going to stick with those four uh, for now. It's like, which which do you learn? How do you choose which one to learn? Well, like, which one's culture to learn? So imagine if you're learning American culture and English culture at the same time and that's just going to be some weird mix-up, isn't it? And also, the how how do you know, like what's what's British and what's American and what's Australian? I don't think there's any way of telling. So you just end up picking up this mixture of everything, um, which means it's. I mean, for anyone who's got who who like really wants to. <laughs> sort of like be British. I know there are some people out there because I've read on on like Twitter profiles <laughs> that they really want to like be British or something like that. Um, for people like that, you've got a really hard job, I think, to do. Be I mean, I mean, for me, it's easy because Japanese is pretty much only spoken in Japan. I mean, I, I know it's spoken quite a bit in Brazil as well, but I think apart from that, it's pretty much Japan only. Um, but like, because I'm English is everywhere. Wow. That's a, that's, it, it makes it much harder, but I will say the thing to do is just to be English, I think, be British. And what I mean by that is consume the same things, watch the same things, listen to the same things, read the same things, um, that British people read. And then you'll start to build up that cultural knowledge um, that is so valuable, I think, when you're making friends, when you're having a conversation with British friends. Of course, <clears throat> excuse me, this is, this is, this is advice. It's only really for someone who's already advanced, you know, who's, uh, 
if if you're just if you're like intermediate level, I don't think this is so important to to think about too much at the moment. But certainly, even if you're at intermediate level, and you you sort of decided, you know, British English is the English for me, then make sure you're watching British things, you know, British films, drama, uh, the news, BBC news, uh, that kind of thing. Just try to limit the amount of American stuff because American stuff, the internet is just American. Every, every, everything on the internet is American. There's almost nothing British. Um, so I have such a hard time trying to keep my British British. <laughs> keep my keep my English British. I have such a hard time doing that. Um, when every day I'm being thrown American English at me and I'm trying not to pick up American phrases and I'm trying not to uh, pick up American words and uh, especially an American accent. I don't want to pick it up. Um, so it's very difficult. But uh, yeah, if, if you've decided that British English is the English you want to focus on um, and British culture too, then just make sure you're consuming enough of it. Make sure you're watching, listening to, reading enough of it. And then uh, I think that will just all come naturally given enough time and uh, especially if you if you're able to make friends with British people, that's going to help a lot because you'll hear all the weird phrases and things we say and what our our strange sense of humor, our unique sense of humor, I think. Anyway, I think I've said all that I wanted to say today. I didn't say it in the most eloquent way. It wasn't <laughs> it wasn't explained very well, I don't feel, but it was a bit of a difficult topic and I wasn't sure how I was going to explain it exactly. So uh, I hope I've done a good enough job so that you can understand what I've said or you've got some idea of what I'm talking about. Essentially, sim- sim- to put it simply, to summarise, if the English you're focusing on is British English. Consume. Make sure you're consuming British media. That's it. It's as simple as that, really. Um, everything else will just come in time. You'll start learning about our culture. You'll start learning about people who are famous here, who aren't famous anywhere else in the world. Uh, you'll start learning our phrases, our habits, our humour. It will all just come together. And like I say, I do think it's important. Um, to also learn this along with the language you're learning. And uh, it is some, it's something that I try to do when I'm learning Japanese by learning about, I don't know, famous people in Japan who aren't famous anywhere else. And there are a lot of them. <laughs> there aren't that many famous pe- Japanese people, like worldwide famous Japanese people, I don't think. Someone said like the most famous Japanese person was uh, Yoko Ono, um, John Lennon's wife. But it's probably true, but that was so long ago, wasn't it? Uh, since then, I didn't really think. There's an, act, there's an actor who's quite famous, but but no, no. So yeah, sorry, bit bit sidetracked there. Anyway, uh, yeah, I have said all I wanted to say and explained it pretty badly. <laughs> but uh, I hope it was fun to listen to. I hope it was some good uh, English listening practice for you anyway. Until next time, bye-bye. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. 
Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50% to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Thanks for listening until the very end of the show. If you've enjoyed this episode, please give my podcast a rating, or if you have the time, write a review. It's a really nice way of letting me know you enjoy these episodes and encourages me to make more of them for you. Thanks very much and have a lovely day.